Securities and advisory services offered through National Planning Corporation member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rick Saylor Financial and MPC are separate and unrelated companies. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that have been deemed to be reliable, but its accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed. Neither MPC nor Rick Saylor Financial accept any liability for the use of the information discussed. Consult with a qualified financial, legal, or tax professional prior to taking any action. Well, I'm Rick. And I'm Eric. And we are your transparent wealth management hosts. Welcome to our show. Hey, you know, it's another lovely Friday. We love Fridays, as we always say. It's um, Froggy Friday. Froggy Fridays, because we're heading toward the weekend. That's right. And always a, and Father's Day weekend. It is. That. Big day on Sunday for you, uh, not yeah. for me. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a father, a grandfather twice, going to be three times now. And, you know, I said if I uh, said to my wife, Kim, if I didn't know the grandkids were so much fun, I would have just skipped the kids. I know it doesn't work that way, but that's a lot more fun. I don't have all the heavy lifting. You get to, you know, have fun with them, play with them, run them around. As soon as they get tired and cranky, it's set them home. Back to your mom and dad. You know, Kim <laughs> says the grandkids are the reward for not eating your young. It's <laughs> <laughs> a way to look at it. Now, sometimes uh, as a parent, I know you haven't experienced that joy yet, but uh, it's one of those pain and pleasure things on a threshold. Mm-hmm. You know, a uh, uh, but a platform unknown to man and any other. You think you're ready for it, and I don't think you are. You don't you know, know what to expect. I'll put it I that enjoy, way. I enjoyed being a father. Mm-hmm. You know, I have two sons in my first marriage, um, Dustin and Ryan, and they're 30. See, he's 34, going to be 35 this year, and the other one's, you know, 33 and a half, mm-hmm. so about a year and a half apart. Um, and then I've got uh, three stepkids. Dylan, Travis, and Lindsay, in reverse order from that. Still have, you know, Dylan's still hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. And and then three grandkids, or one, uh, two granddaughters, Brooklyn and Savannah, uh, from my oldest son, Dustin. And then when I've got uh, one on the way, on the Joshua, way. baby Joshua. Pretty soon, right? Due in July. Yeah. And then we're almost there, believe it or not. I know. <laughs> Time flies. I'm telling you what. But it's uh again it's fun doing the having the grandkids around because been up at the lake house this summer and enjoying that a couple Sundays ago I had Brooklyn on the back of the jet ski and she gets on there and says Papal don't go too fast and within a couple minutes she's wanting to rip roar as fast as we can possibly go <laughs> we're going forty four miles an hour and she's standing up and letting go it's funny that you know they they get a little scared at the beginning and once they realize they're safe and they're comfortable they they want all of it all day well we had your was it uh Autumn's niece, what was it, Haley? Yep. Um, no, Kelsey. Kelsey. Yep. Kelsey, boy, she was a she was a joy. Yeah. And she just was on cloud nine back there with you on that, <laughs> that dinghy thing, <laughs> pulling you along behind the, the jet ski. That's right. Well, that's a lot of fun, and that's what summer's about. And we're into a summer series on a financial plan and, I guess, basically marking your future and being able to test it against different elements in your situation so i mean it's a great it's a great deal eric i don't know how you pass this thing up uh it costs us over ten thousand dollars and assorted fees and everything for all the add-ons we have in our financial planning software so it's pretty impractical for most people to go spend over 10 grand on that however we usually charge like 500 dollars to do a financial plan not because we make a lot of money doing that it just covers our time Mm -hmm. and we're giving it to the folks for free and we believe it's of utmost importance in any you know financial decision you know how are how and why are you making the decision and what are you testing against if you're just testing it against well my stomach says it feels like a good decision you know it might work out for you but you you know that's not we don't like hope we like um, having a plan and that's what the plan does we put every big financial decision or financial um, investment into that to make sure your scenario isn't getting worse by you doing something. And ultimately, in a very simple readout, when all this data is put in there, and a program is interactive, so it's dynamic and integrated, it's pulling feeds off of the actual holdings and all that and updating every day, it can actually tell a person within very close proximity, not a guarantee, but it tells you whether you're going to outlive your money, your money's going to outlive you. And can you viably do something? Does something, a certain strategy? I want to I want to travel when I retire. I want to do it for 10 years. I want to put this kind of money into that. And can you do that? And I'm going to tell you what. We've said this before. Most people get to experience the joy of retirement once. 
you and I are in the wonderful position now, 40 years combined service, that we get to see that almost every day. Yep. Where we get to help people plan for that and then see them realize their ideal lives come true. And that is priceless. It is. To see that. And we get to get that joy over and over again and be part of that. Yep. And then every time they come in, it's they got a new story. You know, it's just something where their their life has gotten, you know, not necessarily financially better, but their life, they're they're having more fun. And that's what retirement is, having fun, whether that's fun with kids, grandkids, traveling. Your you know, dream. Taking up a Again, hobby. Again, your ideal life realized. So how do you know that you can do the things that you really want to do in retirement if you're not testing it. So again, the financial plan is like a GPS. It's your personal financial GPS into into financial independence. And we want to see that again at the end of that. We want us to share your stories with us. Email us at, you can email us at info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com or if you got questions or call us 24-7 at 513-454-9999 Leave us a message. All you have to do in order to get access to this program is send us your email address. We will send you a PDF of a downloadable out. You know, you can print out this report because you're going to need to compile this information in there because all the inputs and then we're walking you through every week where those inputs go. And at the end, you get down to the last, the results pages, it's called, and they should see that little speedometer. And you got to be 75% or higher to be successful. If you're dropping below that, it's not working. You know, it means you're failing. So there's five things you're going to have to work with. You can work longer. uh, You can save more. You can get more return. And sometimes involves taking more risk. Uh, You can cut your standard of living in retirement. Or you can cut the legacy Mm -hmm. of what you're going to leave to your kids, grandkids, whatever. And if you, but that's really it. It is. And if you do the planning, you know, before two years before you retire, you've got a lot more leeway on what you can and can't kind of fix. Because if you're you're a year from retirement and it's a set date, you're retiring, and you know income, you not necessarily can't make more income. Do you really want to take more risk? So the earlier you start this planning process, the better off you sh- potentially could be once you get to retirement. Yeah. And, you know, we're also talking about traditional asset classes, and those usually are the the stocks, the bonds and the cash. There's a couple of those. Well, they're all pretty weird right now. I'd say we, we've mm-hmm. called this the paranormal market, paranormal retirement for quite some time. And that's a lot of because of we're really in a period of time like the 1930s um, on stimulus steroids. And so you get distorted asset classes. Uh, And history shows that. It proves that out. And again, the Fed has intervened, pumped in trillions, 18 trillion. The the debt's 18.2 trillion. I've lost track of how many trillions they've pumped in there. But what it's done with artificially low interest rates now, and again, the Fed just came out and can't even move the interest rates, Eric, can't even move them up a quarter of a point. They're Mm -hmm. afraid to do that because the economy is that fragile. You know, we're on a slow growth cycle, but the rest of the world's dependent on us to get on track. Yep. They see, and we see it, you know, our economy today and what the Fed's looking at, we're a lot more stable today than we were five years ago. I yep. think everybody's under that off. assumption. We're better off coming up off the bottom. But it's, you can't tighten up money supply if we're not, ra- if we're not Which is what growing. happens. When the Fed raises interest rates, they're, they're saying, we're going to make this less attractive for people to borrow or companies to borrow or whatever. Yep. And it's... And it's important in the U.S. because we are a consumer-driven society. When we buy things, we reap the benefits as a whole. And when we don't buy things— the rest of the world things, does, too. That's right. And when we stop— Con- Consumption is the chicken and, and the egg. egg. And both. <laughs> so if, if they tighten up money supply, quote-unquote, they're going to make loans more expensive. You know, Prices are going to start going up. You're going to see inflation, which is ultimately a good thing in the end. But if they, can, if they do it in a time like today when there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, it can make the playing field even more questionable. Sure. So we were talking about asset classes. So where somebody would traditionally go to a stock, a bond or a cash. So and that could be through actually buying the stock or buying a mutual fund or whatever, or being exposed through an exchange traded fund um, in any of those categories. The main component, though, is to to understand and the program intuitively will do this, um, but to test it, to stress test it. So, for example, we're looking at a stock market today that's overvalued, not a bubble, 
but I'll say it's certainly above. We don't have enough consumption to support the market at this level. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good way to say that. Yep. So we hear from our market uh, market trend group every morning and review those before the day starts. And what we see is that the upside of the market for the most part is priced into the market. So there's not a lot of value in this market. doesn't mean there isn't. There's opportunities and perils in every market. But the bond market is a different animal altogether. The low interest rates have distorted that to a point that we're in an actual bond bubble. So like a teeter-totter, when interest rates go up, the bond yields go down because the price of the, of the bonds are well, going up. Well, when the interest rates go up, the bond yields go up, but the price of the bond goes down. So it, it's, it's depressing... Now, if you're holding an actual bond itself, yeah, and you it. hold it to maturity, and, and the entity is viable, you know, you'll get your money back at the end. But most people are either in, you know, exposed through their mutual funds, or they're exposed through exchange-traded funds. And both of those... There's no maturities. There's no maturities because they're buying. You're just in a fund that buys those. And so when they get whipsawed every day... You know, look. Think of it as again is the is the teeter totter. The farther you are out on the teeter totter, you know, the greater the whipsaw effect, and that's essentially what you have when you're in mutual funds and ETFs. Mm-hmm. Now, ETFs can be traded every day. Yep. You know, within within the day, oh, mutual yeah. funds clear at the end of the day. So, those are the types of things to consider when you look at your holdings, and when they can be uh, when they can be moved. Uh, because you need to really, our opinion is be flexible and be nimble in this market because there's a, a fair amount of uncertainty. The last category, cash, well, it's totally dysfunctional. Has You've got been. a Fed rate at 0.25 or less, so you're going to have bank rates where you feel like you owe them. Mm-hmm. And we've been this way, believe it or not, for over five, or about five years now, since 2009. And we have not had a interest rate increase for 10 years mm-hmm. out of the Fed rate. So it's uh, bizarre. Yeah, we, we, we know interest rate, the, the risk of interest rate rising, it's in the future. We don't know when and we don't know how high, but it's, that's our job here to point out what's possible in the future and how we can, you know, navigate around it. You know, you're not going to be able to completely get rid of all risk, but if you understand the risk, then you can understand how to. And understand the potential reward. Now, this is probably a good point where we ought to say, uh, you know, what the opinions we're expressing today are ours and not our broker dealer, National Planning Corporation, uh, and, and, what we're doing today is just a, you know, it's an educational in nature. It's illustrative. You know, it doesn't constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. You should always consult qualified financial, legal tax people or, or real estate people for making a decision. Some of the statements we will make will be forward-looking. Nobody has a crystal ball. You can't tell the future. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we look at things like demographics, and it's kind of interesting. History tends to repeat itself. If it doesn't, it sure does rhyme a lot. Yep. So you can look at the past and, and make adjustments for the current scenario, but the reason why those things don't tend to change too much is because people really don't change. Things change, but behavior people, doesn't. That's right. Names change, but the behavior doesn't. So, Rick, I know, what, what have we talked about so far in this summer series? We've talked about the basics of having, the importance of having a financial plan. It's a great deal. Come get it. It's free. you got to start doing the inputs. Um Last week, we talked about the investments, some different, you know, savings and investments. We talked about the different components that go into a financial plan. We talked about, um, we touched on some of the, are you going to work? You know, uh, what do your pensions look like? And are they a definite benefit called defined benefit plans? Or are they defined contribution like 401ks and 403bs and deferred comp? Where you actually have to put something in. And that you have to get results. We talked about some of the options of life only versus survivor benefit type options. We touched on Social Security and, and programs like federal programs like civil service, FERS, STRS. Uh, today, though, we're going to drill down a little bit on Social Security and all those options. Yep. Then we talked about savings. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole world of those, but we couldn't drill down on all of them. We have some great white papers on that. Yeah, we do. And, you know, all of these topics we're talking about, we have a, lo- a lot of white papers, a lot of research reports on our website at Straight Talk Clear Decision. So go on there, check any and all of them out. They're free. They're absolutely free. So really, at the end of the day, what most people, what a plan is going to do is tell you whether with if you can live your ideal life in retirement. 
and you're financially independent and you are going to be successful where you don't run out of money before you run out of life. Mm -hmm. And if not, you got to make some adjustments and that's okay. But everybody's circumstance, Eric is, is unique. It's like a fingerprint. It's like a snowflake. We've yep. never seen two people in our 40 combined years of service of doing retirement planning and investing and, and making other people wealthy that we've ever seen two people exactly the same. We even have families that we have brothers and sisters and parents that are all clients of ours and not all of them act the same. All, not all of them want to do the same thing. So their plans are a little bit different. Um, and, you know, we customize it to what are you trying to accomplish in your life or with your money? And let's figure that out. Not let's, well, Joe down the street was successful because this is what he wants to do. Let's figure out what you truly want to do. And that's what the goal of the financial plan is. But social security, like we're talking about today, it's a big program. Um, it's a massive program. There's a lot of different options for you, which we're going to get into. Um, but Social Security is going to benefit a vast majority of the people of the United States, whether both of you, husband and wife, are under the Social Security program, or maybe one of you is under Social Security and one of you is under a federal program or like STRS. Um, and those are important to consider because there's something called the windfall elimination provision. Yep. And... That means that you're going to lose some money because you, you're, they don't want you double dipping. Mm -hmm. But we'll drill down on some of the specifics of that. Because optimizing, which means maximizing Social Security, and there's three things we can tell them right out of the box on Social Security. Eric. First of all, it cannot legally go broke. It's an all or something system. So don't believe when the politicians throw that around. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the first program I, that I can recall that had a sequestration clause in it which meant it's going to make cuts in the future if washington can't. the 536 can't get their act together now one of the quickest way to fix it is you put them under the same system mm -hmm. let them <laughs> live under the same retirement rules. they pass for us that that would be a fix mm -hmm. but it can't legally go broke we'll talk about that you know it's an all or something system if you paid in and you've got the qualifying quarters you're going to get something the third one is smart planning treats it like a pension and coordinates your withdrawals along with your taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free accounts to help your savings and investments last as long as you do. So we're going to drill down on this in, in quite a bit of depth today. Yep. And we're going to touch on all three aspects of retirement uh, or, or the benefits, I should say. So there's a retirement benefit. There's a spousal benefit and there's survivor benefits. Now, just in case you're wondering if it's complex, there are 3,172 different combinations and break-even points. That's it. Or I shouldn't say combinations, break-even points because of those three benefit levels. There are only 81 different combinations for couples, couples. and there's only nine for singles. So nine for singles is a lot. Yeah. Get it for 81 for a couple. So. so you say, when should you draw? Well, you got to consider your health. You got to consider your spouse. You got to consider do you need income. Longevity is part of it. But just simple terms, if you're born between 1943 and 1954, your full Social Security age is 66. If you go at 62, you take a cut of 25% for life. If you wait until age 70, well, the difference between age 62 and 70 is 57%. And that doesn't count the cost of living adjustments. For life. For life. Yep. So COLAs, the cost of living adjustments, not what you drink, um, averaged 2.8% since 1951. Mm -hmm. Not even Social Security's website calculates that. <laughs> so we have a great program that's an add-on here that we can help you with your financial plan to run through those combinations so you can do that input to see where you can optimize your particular. So we'll, we'll drill down on this. There's so, a lot to cover here. So if you're listening to the show, feel free to give us a call. You can call us live with questions this morning. Call us at 866-472-5790. I, I did notice we got a few new followers on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter and you got a question, shoot us a tweet at Retirement R-I-K-T-I-R-E-M-E-N-T. -E -E and uh, we're more than happy to answer any and all questions you know today on the show regarding Social Security. Well, you're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions Radio Show with your no-nonsense host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. Money is an awesome thing If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings Hey, have you heard about the new long-term care alternatives? 
Many of you may know how I managed my mother's care and I took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans benefits. My father was a two-time Korean War vet and right into the Medicaid. She started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living and at the end of her life two years later it was over $8,000. The three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it. Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me, the premiums can never go up, and oh yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die, if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life listening to the straight talk clear decisions radio show with your no-nonsense host rick sailor and eric hamburg so eric we're uh, we're on this topic of a financial plan specifically today another piece in the puzzle is where your income flows are coming from which we covered last week that's one of the key you got inflows you got outflows so the goal is obviously have more coming in than you got going wow. out that's a that's a formula for success um Let's talk a little bit about Social Security, though, since we're on this topic, and that's what we're going to cover today. So we talked about in the first segment, just as an overview, first of all, it can't legally, Social Security cannot legally go broke. It's an all-or-something system, and smart planning treats it like a pension source. Who would vote for the party? I don't care what your affiliation is. We're in the green group, right? Independent. Uh, If it's good for the folks, you can explain it to me in plain English, and it doesn't have special interest, and it's viable, I'm for it. Yep. That's green. So positive. Uh, so I look at this. I don't care what your party affiliation is. Who would vote for whatever party let Social Security be damaged to go under? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Too many lives at risk. You know, you're talking about 92 million baby boomers. There's 315 million people and counting in the United States. Um, and we've got a train of people. So consider this. Even with these numbers, there are... 10,000 baby boomers a day turning 65 for the next 17 years. The train's coming through the station. Now, as far as viability, it can't legally go broke. And here's a, we're looking at a chart. The sequestration component in this says by the year 2035, it's going to continue to pay 100% of the benefits. After that point in 2036, if... It's not viable. It reduces to 77%. So if you were receiving... So about a quarter of it is cut off. Yep. Imagine what the next election would look like after that. <laughs> Be a you bloodbath for some one party. Yeah, somebody's going to get it. <laughs> you know, and in 2085, it cuts uh, to 74% on a dollar so of what they're receiving. So I don't see that happening. Now... I'm going to flip to the other side because we're practical guys. We're pragmatists and we're realists. So this is a group we have a lot of confidence in called the Boston Center for Retirement Research. And in April of 2012, Alicia Munell was the research analyst, I think, heading up this team. They said at that point, if you just increase the FICA FICA tax by 2.67%, that's less than 3%. So let's just round it. One and a half to the employer, one and a half from the employee would stabilize Social Security in its present form for the next 75 years. No cuts, no reductions, nothing. That's pretty powerful. Yep. Now, why don't we hear that? Because that's not something you really play a lot of politics with. That's pretty practical. And who wants to be the politician say, oh, yeah, by the way. I'm raising your By 3%. <laughs> you know, no new taxes, right? Nope. Um so anyways, that's a, that's a pragmatist approach to this. So now when we think about some of the things that may, let's look at the retirement benefit. So one of the things that we highly recommend you do, you go on to ssa.gov and it'll take you about five minutes and get your social security reported earnings. There used to be a six page bifold mm-hmm. type deal with a green border. They still do that. Uh, they're now, I heard, Saw here earlier this year, they're starting to send them back out at certain ages. But don't yes. wait for that. Go online and get it. You can get the exact same report any day of the week. Log in. Um, get your information You know, a lot quicker. Yep. And if you, if you want, you send that to us. We'll run that calculation. Now, if you just do the financial plan, it will make assumptions based on the income inputs. But it's not as accurate, and it won't give you all the strategies. Yeah. 
So some of the strategies, for example, on retirement income, I would say, first of all, when do you draw it? Mm-hmm. When's the best time to draw? Well, Rick, well, first off, what's the earliest age they can withdraw? Well, if you're born between 1940, what's well, 62, mm-hmm. if you're born between 1943 and 1954, your full retirement age, known as the FRA, is age 66. And if you go at 62, there is a 25% reduction for life. Yep. But you can't ever get away from unless you start over and you got 12 months to do that. Now, they calculate on something called the average index monthly's earnings. That's the highest 35 years are averaged, like the AIM with an E. Uh, they use this formula. They divide it by bend points. That's not important. But they come up with this primary insurance amount, and that's the amount you receive at your retirement age. And then based on whatever the cost of living adjustments, which ironically come in election years. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go at 62... We already talked about this. It's a 25% cut. If you go at age 63, you're going to get a 20% cut. And if you go at 64, you're going to get about a 14% cut. And if you elect your benefit age at 65, you're going to get a 7% cut for the rest of your life. Now, if you wait till 66, if, again, you're born between 1943 and 54, you'll get 100% of your benefit. But if you wait... There's systemic, what they call systemic increases in the system of 8% a year that come just because the system increases because you waited. Yep. You get 8% a year over the next four years. So if you wait till age 70, you get 32% more than what you would have gotten at age 66. Yep. Now, that's a third more. So it takes, so think about this. Their average index monthly earnings is a 35-year period. And it takes you to get two-thirds of your, 100% of your benefit. But if you'll just wait four more years, less than 10% more time, mm-hmm. you get a third more for the rest of your life. And that not only affects your retirement income, it affects your spousal benefit and the survivor benefit. Correct. And, you know, once age 70 hits, there's that systemic increase stops at age 70. So there's very few circumstances where you wouldn't want to draw Social Security at age 70. But, it's, again, it's, this isn't a he-only or a she-only benefit. This is a family benefit. And if you can play your cards right, you know, with all the other variables out there, you can make Social, Social Security, you know, make it last a long time and collect a lot of money out of Social Security if you can and do the proper planning. So here's today. some things that we see. You talk about moving the needle. We talk about in a financial plan at the end of the story there, you want to see the, the needle move to the right between 75% success to 99 Mm-hmm. Almost every time that we optimize Social Security, we see that needle move up. And here's why. What's been six months ago, we heard somebody come up with a statistic that said optimizing Social Security was the equivalent of adding 1% return in your portfolio over the rest of your life. That's powerful. Just by picking the right combination, Just the right by strategy. Getting, and why is that? Because you're getting an income stream that comes out like a pension, treat it like a pension, and you think about Social Security, that is a benefit, starts out tax-free mm-hmm. for most people. It's all the other stuff that comes in that causes it. And we'll talk in a little bit about what reduces it in taxes. But we're still on retirement income now. So, you know, you look at when is the optimal time to draw this. And you can't just consider just yourself. So, again, you got to consider, well, you say, well, what if I'm in bad health? All right, well, yeah, maybe you want to draw earlier because, but again, you got to consider a spouse. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about that, the spousal benefit. That's not your own benefit. And it doesn't affect your own personal benefit. No, and but that is maximized. At age, it hits a top amount at 66 yep. for people born in those years. So, for example, here's a strategy. You may want to you know, write this one down. And if you want clarity on this, just email us and it will give you a little more detail. But there's a strategy known as, uh, well, there's two of them. You may want to be aware of filing a restricted application and something called file and suspend. So, for example, let's say we've got a couple and they're wanting to optimize this. Well, first of all, let's talk about, we're talking about a, a spousal benefit. So how is that calculated? We've got the, the base Whoever the primary insured amount is, so let's just say it's, it's the husband, 
Which you have to have somebody as the primary. You Somebody's got to be primary. Yes. If you're nobody, you can't both draw under you Spouse know somebody life. else's. Somebody's got to be primary, and somebody's let's say secondary. So, so if the the spousal benefit, the primary insured amount is started at the full retirement age, and again in this age sixty six, then the spouse can get one half of that amount if they're at the full age too. Now, if you go early, say age sixty two, well then it's only thirty five. It's thirty five percent. It's not fifty percent mm-hmm. because you remember there's a twenty five percent reduction at that earlier age. And anywhere in between. And there you don't have to pick a date here. You know, you just go in and, you know, do it what fits your situation. So here's a here's an example. So if John's primary insured amount is two thousand and Jane's own record, her primary insured amount is eight hundred, if she retires at, at full retirement age of sixty six, she can get a spousal benefit off of John this one half. So she gets a $200 pay increase. Yep, she'll get $1,000 a month, a month on the spousal instead of only getting 800 if she drew her own. So, so the strategy, and I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but that's an example where John's the primary insured amount. He's drawing his in this example. Jane restricts. She files a restricted application to her spousal benefit. The cool thing about this strategy is then her own benefit, which is eight hundred, is going to increase eight percent a year over the next three years, four years. Four years. And she could flip over to her her own benefit at age seventy two and it would be thirty two percent higher, roughly what would you say? About not quite three hundred dollars more. Yeah, it'd be about you know, it would go from eight hundred to roughly, seventy five. You know, say you know, a thousand, thousand fifty, eleven hundred bucks. But that's for life. That's she clicks that on and she's gonna receive at the bare minimum eleven hundred. Now, that's a smart strategy. Here's the question. What did it cost Jane to do that? Zero. Nothing. nothing. It's a seam in the system. Yep. So this is what we call optimizing. Now, the key to what we do, the example we just gave, and these aren't, this isn't advice. We're just educational here. But this, you both have to be, somebody has to be 66 and be a primary insured amount. Correct. So, for example, let's say the husband's older than the, than the um, wife if the wife turns six, you know, let's say the husband's sixty-eight and the wife still hasn't turned sixty-six, you can't work this strategy until the youngest one turns sixty-six. So it's uh, it's the younger of the two spouses have to both be sixty-six. Then you can employ and turn on the spousal benefit. You know, here's some key things. Um, you know, we talked about there's no delayed credits. There's no sense in waiting until after sixty-six. So let's, if we had in a case where we were using that example, John and Jane, they're both have the same age. We're gonna give them the same birthday. There we go. That's easy. Make it easy for us. So there's no delayed credits. Jane would not have benefited by waiting after 66. It would not have increased other than on her own record. Correct. So her spousal benefit would not get any higher. And you can't, one of the questions is, well, you know, sometimes a spouse turns 67. Like, well, can I go back a year and collect that one year's worth? No. They won't give it to you. Well, how about a, a case where we've got John is 70. He's already hitting his optimal benefit. You know, and Jane is just turning, um, let's say, you know, 66. There's a four-year differential in age. You know, some people think mistakenly that it's 50% of John's age at 70. No, it's what it would have been at age 66. Yeah, if he would have drawn at 66, it's that ben- It's half it's of based that on amount. that. It's half of that amount. So here's a couple key things to throw in because divorces and remarriage affect the benefits mm-hmm. uh some quick rules the marriage has to last 10 years or more and the person receiving divorce spouse benefits has to currently be unmarried yep. i've had a couple examples here's a couple quick stories we've come across this where people have heard our program we've taught class on this six and a half years and our group did um as well and they said hey you know i'm in a second marriage situation uh, in this one case i won't you know name them um, but let's say it's John and Jane. So Jane comes and says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to draw off of Tom, my first husband. And I said, well, wait a minute, Jane, um, you and John, John are married. You've been married. She says, yeah, 13, 14 years. I said, honey, you walked away from that. Yeah. When you remarried, now you're on John's record. You're not on Tom's anymore. That's gone. Mm-hmm. She wasn't too happy. But fortunately <laughs> it worked out for another couple that, that I know that are friends of mine and clients that I said, you know, you, and I'm not giving moral, I'm not giving spiritual, that's, you know, advice here. I'm not talking about your soul or 
any of that. So if this violates those rules, then you do what your conscience tells you. But I just said from a financial viewpoint, again, and let's say John and Jane, Jane had a first husband situation who was very uh, successful in a car business. And her being able to draw off of his record was huge because she didn't work all that many years to build up social security credits. Um, so she was better off to go under her ex-husband, let's say Tom, rather than if she actually married and got that marriage license, she would be under the new. John's mm -hmm. and it would have been a huge. So they opted to not do that. They opted to do a ceremony, celebrate their union, but not do it legally. So that's, you know, they look at the actual marriage license. So some rules here for divorce spouse benefits. You can draw more than one ex-spouse can receive benefits on the same worker's record. And on that note, that ex-spouse will never be notified that you're claiming record. Never know. It doesn't it. affect them. They'll never know Doesn't affect the, the benefits paid to the worker, current spouse, or other ex-spouses. And um, divorce spouse benefits stop upon remarriage. So anytime that happens, you got to pay attention here. So... For example, um, in that, you know, that divorce spouse benefit, you know, you want to make the right decision here and how that you're going to optimize those benefits, not for just for retirement, but the total income on inflows, as well as we're going to move into the, the last segment here and talk about survivor benefits and, and how that that connects with, again, spousal benefits yeah because the other thing too is you know a lot of the baby boomers you have corporate you know company pensions company you could have a company pension and a social security benefit at the same time you know and you want to kind of you don't want to necessarily do the same thing on both of them but so let's touch on that so if you've got a government pension or you're a strs so your cers or whatever it's not integrated with social security there is a what they call the windfall elimination provision that is going to carve out some of your benefits and cut them back because they consider that double dipping. Uh, if you have worked 30 years, however, in Social Security, in Social and Security and the other and not necessarily the other system, just as long as you're eligible for the federal other, the other uh, uh, eligible pension. for that in 30 years in Social Security, then there is no elimination. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, somewhere between 20 years and 30 years, there's incremental phase outs phase, kind of, uh, or phase ins eliminations yep yeah and as you go to the higher end of that scale then you get 100 percent of both of them yep so you know if you've worked a lot of social security and government maybe it's worth working a couple of extra part-time jobs to get the full social security benefit you get it all there you get 30 years in delay it and you know get more out of it yep so uh these are a lot of uh, strategies. Again, email us at info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com. Send us your email address. We'll link you up for the financial plan, a $500 value, a $10,000 program for us that you'll get absolutely access to. And at the end, we want you to be able to see that last screen and the results, and we want to hear this. That was easy. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your Straight Talk Money host, Rick Saylor and Eric Hamburg. Money is an awesome thing. If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're going to go through probate. And without, well, don't worry about it. The government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away. That might not be any fun. You may need it. Or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits. So a revocable living trust can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. Eric, we're on this summer series of a financial plan, the importance of that and the different components. And this week we're talking about Social Security, and we're knee-deep in it right now. We are. So we're about up to our waist. So let's. Uh, we've talked about retirement benefits, Personal retirement, retirement income, benefits. and we talked about spousal benefits and how to get that and also some of this when 
when it's a divorce situation. There's some different rules for that. Yep. So now we're going to we're going to go on and talk about survivor benefits and we're going to talk about some strategies. Yep. We'll and taxation and how it's taxed. So for a survivor benefit, again, let's use that example. We've got um you know John and what well, we got let's use Joe and Julie this time. I like that name. So Joe's benefit, he's the primary insured amount. His benefit's 2000. Julie's benefit is 1200. Joe dies. Julie does the right thing. She notifies Social Security. She's not like Norman Bates who kept his mom in a bathtub or in a rocking chair That's right. and kept getting her Social Security benefits. So you'd have to be a psycho fan or at least a, remember that from the 60s. So Julie notifies Social Security and her 1200 benefit is replaced by the $2,000 benefit Joe was getting. So the so in this the twelve hundred drops off and she steps up to his. Yep, that's a survivor benefit. Or the other the other the other way to do that is same circumstances except Julie dies. So Joe he still remains he still keeps his two thousand dollar benefit. So the moral is the higher the the one with the bigger monthly benefit is stays. the one that stays. And whether the other it's one drops. yours or your spouse's. So that's kind of key uh, when you're thinking about planning. I know that happened in my personal. And my, my parents' situation. And you can and it's on that it's happen with a lot of clients too. And on that note, if you know, that's if you're relatively the same age, you can do the numbers. It says females are gonna live a little bit longer. However, if there's a big age difference between a husband and wife, say 10, 11, 12 years, that's when this planning can be ever more important, especially Absolutely. if one of them's working and the other's not. Because let's face it, guys, the girls actuarially statistically outlive us by eight years i think it's compensation for childbirth <laughs> or they say putting up with men's stuff pms <laughs> um so i don't know what it is but i just know that my mom for all the health issues she had she had uh, a quadruple bypass in 92 she smoked she had dementia the last eight years of her life family had a history of high cholesterol on and on and on she outlived my dad by seven years two months and 28 days my dad was active, worked in real estate. We golfed together. We did all kinds of things, and she outlived him. Mm -hmm. So, and I would not. I'm not a betting man, but I would have bet that he would outlived her. Longevity in his family. Lived to 99, couldn't kill him with a stick. That's why we don't have crystal balls, and we, that's why we like the planning. That's right. So, um, rules for survivor benefits. This is important. A couple must have at least been married nine months at the date of death. Eric, except in the case of an accident so, so you know what to do just don't tell anybody <laughs> it's got to look like an accident <laughs> the survivor must have at least been 60 for reduced benefit or 50 if disabled or full retirement age for full benefit what does that mean well at age 60 there's something called a widow's benefit that can kick on so let's say you know in that case joe and julie joe was age you know 60 uh, 62 Julie was 58 he dies well she waits two years she, she can, turns 60 and then she can file but she must file it won't automatically happen for the widower benefit and that does not affect the retirement benefit yep she can start that's a different program and she starts that at age 60 but again just like the other one if you wait until 62 and you're like oh I forgot to collect the first two years you can't go back and get it can't go back so and if Julie remarries before age 16, no widower benefit. Yep. And divorce spouse benefit is available if the marriage lasts at least 10 years. So there's a couple rules there uh, in that equation. So, you know, we're going through a lot of combinations here, Eric, and we know there's 81 different com combinations for couples, nine for singles, 3,172 different break-evens with those three benefits. There's factors to consider when to apply. Health status, both you and your wife. Life or your spouse. Life expectancy. Need for income. Whether or not you plan or your spouse plans to work. And your survivor needs. So, you know, we, we talk. What, what reductions take place in pensions and everything else. We talk about maxing out Social Security and getting the biggest bang for your dollar. But there's these other variables you have to take into consideration. And as long as you can justify, you know, it could possibly benefit you. But we got to tell you the other side of the coin. And that's these factors that nobody has a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen. And this is huge. You know, by, by waiting, why delay benefits? Because you start out with a bigger check, and then the cost of living adjustments can just compound this thing into uh, an incredible 
income flow that may cover all your living expenses, mm-hmm. you know, or most of them. So I think the, uh, the key things to keep in mind is if you apply earlier, your benefit starts lower and it stays lower for life. Now, if you've made a mistake, you, you're listening here and you're going, hey, I'm doing a financial plan. I want to I want to do over. You have to apply. It's got to be 12 months or less. Yep. Used to be unlimited. And then several years ago in December, they just showed up and said, hey, we're at risk for $5 billion. That deal's gone. Used to be able to go back to the beginning, not pay interest into the system at all. Pay your money back. And get the systemic increases. And I actually heard a story the other day of somebody who did that. Yep. Those do-overs are now limited to 12 months. Now, if you've already drawn it, there are some other strategies. You're not out of the woods, but we may have to talk with you a little one-on-one. Yep. Um, The cost of living adjustments are going to magnify the impact of earlier delayed claiming. And the longer you live, the more beneficial it is to delay your benefits. Yep. And the the decision uh, impacts the survivor benefit as well. Delaying benefits may give surviving spouse more income. Again, it's all based on... You know, whose benefit is bigger and how can you amplify it? Pretty big. So a couple basics here. You should be looking at your Social Security earnings record and check that on a regular basis. Is it accurate? You're missing any years. Can you improve it by working longer? Well, Because zeros, we talked about that 35-year average index monthly earnings, the AIM formula. Zeros will hurt you. Anything's better than a zero in that system. Yep. Don't yep. put zeros in there. Rick, what if you're looking at your statement and you realize, well, this isn't right. You know, there's some errors on it. Can you fix it? You can. You're going to have to go back and prove you're right and they're wrong. Yep. It's like Napoleonic law. It's not like civil law mm-hmm. or criminal law. So if it is wrong, you know, do everything you can to prove you did have income or you had greater income in certain years and they can fix it. So in maximizing, once you've looked at those other factors, consider your income needs both now and the future, your life expectancy, your spouse's life expectancy. And if you know exactly when you're going to die and you're going to die on time, we can really help you. Mm-hmm. Then I think it even gets easier than that was easy. It's super easy, easy because <laughs> then we can plan your to the day to the moment. Yep. So let's look at a couple things that could reduce and why you might want to consider. Like if you're going to work, you know, before you're going to continue to work after you quote unquote retire. One of the issues is that when you're reporting earnings and you're not your full age of 66 or whatever that is, um, if you're born between 43 and 54, there is an annual earnings test and kind of a penalty, we call it, between 62 and 65. So if you're working, you can draw, and you're, again, younger than 65, for every dollar, you can make up to $15,480, I think it is this year. Um, and for every $2, though, that you go over, you give a dollar back. So that's a 50% penalty. If you want to look at it like that. Now, they say later on, they'll you calculate it back in. They're just going to withhold it. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say, hey, you know, today you saw that go out. So you may want to weigh out whether it makes sense to work any more than that or work at all. Correct. And we've never seen a situation turn negative. It's not like you're losing more money, you're just not getting as much as you could be if you work and collect Social Security between the ages of 62 and 65. Now, in the year that you are 65 and you're turning 66, they will let you make a little over $40,000. They give you a little bonus that year. Mm-hmm. So that's a good um, a good little bumper. So let's talk about a couple strategies now. Well, you know, let's flip. Let's talk about the one taxation of Social Security after, since we're on that topic. So people wonder about this, because once you're 66, you can work and make as much as you want. However, we call this the passive or provisional income penalty or tax. So if you're married filing jointly, here's the short version. With provisional income, which is one half of Social Security and any taxable interest, pensions, income, RMDs, required minimum distributions, under 32000 there's no amount of your Social Security taxable. From 32000 to 44, it's 50% of your Social Security must be taxed or reported in whatever your effective rate is. So say mm-hmm. it's 10%, you're going to lose 10% of it. If it's over 44%, 85% of that becomes so taxable. So 44,000, 85% becomes yes. taxable. So for example, let's say let's use a simple example here. So you got $10,000 of social security. You've got half of it being reportable. That's 5,000 you got to report if you have a 10% effective tax rate, you're going to lose $500 in taxes. Mm-hmm. If you have to report 85% of that 10,000, 
Now you're reporting 8,500. Again, effective tax rate of 10%. You're losing 850 bucks, but you get to keep the rest. That's right. So if you're single, it just changes the thresholds. Instead of under 25,000, no reporting, 25 to 34 is 50% reportable. And over 34% is then 85%. Now, what, ha- what happens if you say, hey, we're married filing jointly. We're going to circumnavigate this. You, if you make $1, it's all jumps right It's all to, reportable it's at all 85%. Reportable. Yep. They got there before you. <laughs> so let's wrap up on a couple strategies here that I think will be helpful. So we talked about filing suspend and a restricted application. So at full retirement age, a higher earning spouse applies for his benefit and asks that it be suspended. The lower earning spouse files for spousal benefit only, and then the higher earning spouse turns their benefit on at 70. So, for example, Bob and Barb are 66. That's important. They both have to be full age at least. Bob's primary insurance amount is 2000 Barb's is 800 Bob wants to delay his to 70 Barb wants to file for her spouse benefit now. She wants to buy grips for those grandbabies. Yep. Bob files and suspends at 66 Barb... Uh, restricts her application to the spousal benefit and Bob's benefit continues to earn delayed credits all the way up to age 70 is 32% more for life. Yep. That's cool. That is cool. Why don't you give the other one claim now, claim more later, claim now, claim more later. So again, at full retirement age, the higher earning spouse restricts his application to his spousal benefit. The lower earning spouse must have filed for her benefit. So example here is Mike and Mary are 66 Mike's primary amount is 2000 Mary's is 800 Mary files for her benefit at 66 Mike files for his spousal benefit at the same time, so that allows him to collect half of her 800 So he gets $400 a month, Mary gets $800 a month, and then when Mike turns 70, he's been delayed growing his benefit, so his 2000 which was he was available at 66 at age 70, is now worth 3200 bucks. And what did it cost, Mike? Zero. Seam in the system. And it's key, the... Uh, Nobody can do, you both have to be full retirement age in these strategies. So I know we tried to cover a complex topic in a very short period of time. Listen and look for the replay on uh, iTunes and podcasts. Those will come up. You'll want to go back and get this right and let us uh, help you figure this out. Send us some information. We'll do the calculations for you. Yep. Great show. Next week, we're going to be talking about the budgetary. Yep. The debt, the cash flow, the cash outflow. outflow. You've been listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your Straight Talk Transparent Wealth Management host, Rick Saylor and Eric Hamburg.